I'm excited to do this. Yeah. You know, like it's like one of my uh with curl tester was my uh Jay Leno moment and now I'm uh what's what's that guy uh what's that guy name that's um Oh my god. Hold up. American or American, yeah, very very funny and dope American show. Um that guy that's always, you know, uh there are so many. I forgot his, I forgot his letter, Letterman, David Letterman, for fuck's sake. This is my David Letterman. That was Jay Leno. I know I have a beard now, but it's not gray yet. No, but it's true. Like, this is my David Letterman moment. Nice. I'm excited. So then let's get started. Uh, let's get started, Juliana, uh, with um, the Shiro uh, dilemmas. First one, a quick, quick answer. Um, uh, do you think we should optimize uh, every page for every customer? So uh, focus on, on everything what's happening, uh, or should we just start with uh, just pick one page, a single page? Let's keep it simple and optimize the hell out of that. It depends. <laughs> No, no. I mean, um, I guess it depends, of course, on the business model and, you know, what's your objectives. I really think that when it's come, when it comes to optimization, you should really use a uh, prioritization, uh, you know, framework, because there's a lot of things you can do, but it doesn't mean it's going to be useful as well. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, like every time you want to optimize a page, you just have to drop 30 to 40 ideas there because the shitty ones are usually the first ones. So the better ideas, you know, the better hypothesis, hypothesis happen after the 15th one, because you already regurgitated all the bad stuff. And then I think you should use a prioritization model and see what has the biggest impact and what are the things that can be easily, you know, implemented and, you know, go for those. Uh, of course you can do run A-B tests on everything and just, you know, say, oh my God, I'm optimizing, but I think it should mean something. So I wouldn't advise anyone to just try to do everything at once. In general, that's not a good idea. So uh, use an optimization model and, and maybe sometimes the, the, will, uh, the outcome will be, it's just one page that you need to optimize, but, uh, um... Okay. Do user research. Do user research, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, next one. Uh, should we use zero or another term? <laughs> Short answer. Short. <laughs> Short answer. I think we we can. Uh... <laughs> okay. Um, I think uh, the way we have built until this moment uh, conversion optimization to be does not necessarily uh, relate to the reality that we're living at the moment. So I don't think it's nothing wrong with the term conversion rate optimization or CRO. I just think we are probably using it for things that are not and using it, you know, and using other terms for things that actually is CRO. But I like experimentation better because experimentation um, encompasses, you know, more activities that you do to, you know, improve uh, conversion rate, improve your user experience, customer lifetime value. But I like what Andre Morris said. It's like people that do conversion optimization are experimenters and the ones, you know, like me that do post-purchase are, you know, doing personalization. So it's just like it's a combination of both. But yeah, like... CRO probably doesn't uh, fulfill the needs of the actual reality that we're living in right now. It's very polite, I know. Third one, Bayesian or frequentist? So I failed uh, <laughs> I failed the Tan's course on A-B testing mastery like four times, his exam. Um, I think uh, frequentist Because is, of this or? 
one of the reasons. Yeah. I still don't know what a Koei is. Uh, <laughs> like, what's the actual MDE? <laughs> but no, I mean, I think if you are just getting started into statistics, I think it's super hard to get good at it instantly. And I think for it's easier to work with frequencies because for Bayesian, you need com computers, you need, you know, more depth and more, it's more intense than frequentist. Frequentist, I think, democratizes the statistics models a bit. I'm not saying it is better or wrong, but I think if you have to work with huge data sets, I think Bayesian is a better option because you have enough computational uh, power to, you know, to find out, to test your hypothesis. So that, that, in a way, this is why I like Bayesian because it also looks at, at your hypothesis and validates them. But I think if you want to just A-B test, then, you know, <laughs> you just have to go with something that's easier to understand. Statistics are very hard. Very, very hard. And uh, pick, pick the one that you can explain internally. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because it's so hard. Like, imagine you have to go and explain p-value to a C-level executive that has no idea what you're talking about. Uh, I don't know. It's not like it's better or worse, but I think you have to use what fits better with your current, you know, uh, situation. Yeah. Nice. And uh, yeah, so you already uh, mentioned uh, the CXL uh, uh, courses. So you did a couple of those uh, last couple of uh, months. I mean, uh, eat your own dog food, I guess. Uh, so um, um, which one was your, I'm your curious, which one was your favorite, the, the most eye-opening thing? And, and, and which one was the, um, the, the toughest? And I guess that one is from Tom, but maybe some others. Statistically, the... <laughs> The most difficult courses of CXL based on customer data are tons. And uh, the other one is uh, Georgie Georgiev's course about yep. A-B testing yeah. statistics. <laughs> but I think Tan's course was great, but I had to take Pep's course on A-B testing to understand what Tan wanted to say <laughs> because <laughs> Pep's was easier. It was like, okay, now I get what you're talking about. I think my favorite course was uh, um, uh, Tim Wilson's course about data visualization and uh, presentation. Uh, okay. I uh, I always did reports and I always, you know, did visualizations, but I never thought about the cognitive load that people can get from a report or from, you know, wrong visualization. I also found out that bullet points are not the visualization. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like so proud of my bullet pointed reports that I was showing when I was the uh, uh, consulting were working with, with brands and I was just like putting bullet points because I thought it's easy for them to understand. And then Tim says, you know, like in the course is like bullet points are not the visualization. I'm like, shit. <laughs> it's like, okay, uh, that's a great course. I also enjoyed the technical ones, like um, the one, um, uh, this guy called Dave Sotimano, which is about uh, Google Apps Script. I liked, you know, like the more technical ones, but everyone seemed to, uh, you know, to have issues with uh, Tan and with Georgie <laughs> with those two courses, but they're great. Yeah. And yeah, I'm eating my own dog food. I've been taking, I probably like half through all the CXL courses. I'm just doing it for fun right now. <laughs> just yeah. collecting Pokemons. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I really, um, um, yeah, I, I can feel the um, the, the feedback about the one from uh, uh, Georgie and, uh, and Tom. I didn't do the uh, the visualization. I'm interested in that one. It's good. So, yeah. It's good. Cool. I wasn't expecting the way he thought about that course. Like, it's not the geeky type of way of, you know, like, this is what a bar chart is. This is what the pie chart. He just basically took it, like, from a neurological uh, 
perspective of how to explain the data points. And I was very impressed with, uh, with, you know, with his uh, course and the exam was really pretty too. So yeah, that's one of my favorites, very uh, underrated course of CXL. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how, how long yeah. are you working for CXL now? Like half a year I or think something? This, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's almost uh, six months soon. I started officially was in uh, the, on the 1st of October, but I've been starting, you know, in mid September, you know, just testing the waters and dipping my toes and uh, it's cool. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a lot of, it's a lot of pressure because, you know, like everyone has expectations of everyone working for CXL to be like this type of marketers. And sometimes I don't feel like I'm that type of marketer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and XCSL, you, you own uh, retention and uh, customer lifetime value. So uh, what do you do? I, uh, you will find me on the customer support chats a few hours per day, every day. I take customer support chats. I troubleshoot. I spend a lot of time, you know, talking to them. It's funny when people on LinkedIn that know me, find me on chats and they're like, I wasn't expecting you here. I was like, yeah, I actually am here and I do this. I work too. <laughs> um, I do a lot of user research. I do customer interviews, uh, and uh, basically, I'm just using customer words to build uh, email marketing flows, uh, to build user guides, and you know, a better experience. The product is great, but we can do a lot better from a user experience perspective because you know, people change products. You know, like courses become outdated. We're constantly filming and refilming. But there are some stuff that can be improved with a better, you know, onboarding into the into the platform because people tend to come in and be overwhelmed because it's so much content and it's so thorough. So I found that it's easier to put them on a track, you know, that's very personalized uh, based on their interest. So they you can recommend how they should, you know, get to uh, where they want, and they can do that, you know, through the mini degree. But if there's someone that wants to learn life cycle, then they have to do a bit of CRO, a bit of growth marketing, a bit of uh, uh, technical marketing and so on. So this is what, this is my dilemmas these days, how to get them on the right path that, you know, serves them. Cause I'm not just like these people is to like, take courses, like I'm just figuring out one day at a time. So how would, you know, I want to be helped as well. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very curious how this works um, um, because it, the CXL, uh, the, the agency is now uh, Spiro, so that's uh, mm -hmm. spun off. So CXL is only courses, right? It's only the, the, yeah. the course platform. So I'm curious yeah. how that how that works, uh, especially with with retention. Uh, I can imagine that it's uh, hard in the sense that uh, well, first of uh, there's limited supply. I mean, there's there's a lot of courses on there. Let's be fair. There's like 90 or something, aren't it? <laughs> courses, a lot of but courses. there's an end, so you you cannot keep people indefinitely because. But at some point they will run. Out. You you are running out of courses. Um, uh, I mean, you you can create more courses, but uh, uh, of course. Uh, so uh, I guess your user research uh, might give some uh, insight in that uh, on what to uh, produce. But if people yeah. go fast, uh, you run out of courses. Uh, and the second one is. <clears throat> um, I, I, I would guess that when people start at CXL, when you start doing courses, when I start doing courses, um, uh, you start with the thing that you find the most interesting. So out of those 90, what's the most inter interesting thing? Because it takes it takes quite a bit of time to go through a course or even a mini degree. Uh, yes. it, it's going to take you a couple of uh, weeks, maybe, if you go to uh, the mini, uh, mini degrees. So you, you start with the most interesting thing. So by definition, then what's left is uh, are the less interesting courses. So it's 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 
it's going to take you uh it's going to be harder to convince people to do the, the second course and the third course and maybe i mean the first five might be fine but it, it, it's the, the the i guess the perceived added value of each course um goes down so yep. how do you how do you deal with that well people come for the content right yep. but they stay for the community of CXL, uh, we have different skills, like we're a subscription business, so you can come on a monthly uh, subscription and do what you want to do. Like there's people that have specific goals. I just want to do this CRO mini degree. So I, it takes like three months to finish a mini degree. Realistically, we're lying. It's not 50 hours. It's like three months based on how, <laughs> depends on you. Like there's people that finished all our mini degrees, but there's people that like me that took four months <laughs> to finish a mini degree. Um, so yes, of course, like you cannot keep someone forever. If it's a personal user, if it's just a person, you know, not a company that just does courses, our retention model, I think fits better with companies that train their teams here, because in companies, you always hire new people. You always want, uh, you know, your existing, uh, employees to learn more skills. So we, that team model is differently more retention, customer lifetime value focused, uh, if we think about it long term, but for short term, yes, like people usually sit in a subscription for a year or two. That's that's mostly what it is. Yeah. The good part is that we're constantly releasing courses, so people keep on being interested in what we have to do, uh, what we have to do next. And you're right; they start with what they like. That's what I did as well. It's exactly the same pattern. Like, okay, this is a lot of shit. What do I like more? And I said, okay, I like technical marketing. So I'm just going to go with technical marketing. Uh, but now I just started doing side missions, like transactional data analysis or things that I just do for fun. But like right now we're going to release an e-commerce uh, mini degree. And this e-commerce mini degree covers conversion optimization and marketplaces and uh, technical marketing and data and analytics. So this is going to revamp basically everything that we have and all the people that already signed up will stay because mostly everyone will want yeah. to do this mini degree. So I think it's just a play of a uh, product, but also to keep um, constant, uh, you know, be in touch with customers. Cause I ask them a lot. Like I go and I talk to them and I say, Hey, would you like this course? Would you like this one? Where we, um, we just recently implemented on the lesson pages, uh, or a feedback loop where after each lesson, you can say like, what was bad? what was good, what would you like to see? So we collect this data with the product team and then we prioritize it based on occurrence and uh, estimate and impact, just like A-B testing. And uh, then we uh, we start to do it. But like the retention should, it's not, you know, like like you would consume, of course, a technology, like a software that you need for three, four years. Of course, it's not. But you, ha you have to just be useful for that person for the time that they need yeah. you. And then, you know, they will stay in the community. They will recommend you to other people. So they become your salespeople and your own promoters if they're satisfied with the experience that they find here. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool business model. Yeah. yeah and uh, when I followed those courses, uh, I saw a lot of courses indeed being replaced. I mean, of course, with everything in marketing, it moves really fast. Yeah. And it's, uh, that's, uh, I guess, hard to keep up as a, as a company pro uh, providing these courses. That's um, basically after one or two years, you can throw away everything and uh, you can you can start over again. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, I've seen that happen a lot with uh, the CXL course. So that's a good thing. But I, uh, yeah, and I think that what you said is interesting. So it's indeed um, 
like I said, your the the the, the value, the perceived value of, of the next course itself, like the topic might might go down for you because you start with the, the most relevant thing for yourself, but because you do the the the, uh, the course, you're you're happy with the quality and you like the community around it. Um, that that's that's is rising, of course. So that's that gives you yeah. more trust. Hey, this uh, even. Um, uh, gives you more trust that this will be uh, adding a lot of value uh, to your skill set. Yeah, and also like people have the option to pause their subscription and come back when we, you know, bring something more interesting. Yeah. Like the model is very uh, permissive, I think, for the user to decide exactly when they want to, you know, invest and when they want to be just focusing on courses. So like there's people that are with us for a few years now. And it's just a personal subscription, so they just pause it when they don't want to learn, or they pause it when yeah. you know they they're they're changing jobs, and then they just come back to it, and it's cool, because like when I got hired here, I was really impressed with the community. Like I knew the community obviously from the past, but I was never like, you know, to just be there in in the middle of them and see how much people actually love this company. So yeah, it yeah. was really really cool. Yeah. I heard Pep uh, talking, uh, I think, uh, one, one, two years ago about uh, a different way of delivering uh, um, knowledge content and knowledge doing knowledge sharing, like a more short form. Yeah. Um, is, is that still uh, being developed or do you know anything about that? Or We released playbooks last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we gathered a lot of feedback. Of course, it wasn't uh, people expected the playbooks like playbooks for anyone listening, because I'm actually happy you're asking me this question, is just crowdsourced learning. Imagine like GitHub for marketing. Someone comes up with a way of solving a problem and other people should contribute to that way of solving the problem. So they commit their changes and, you know, you pull requests and it's basically people contributing to, um, I don't know, Evergreen, uh, SOPs. Ah, okay, yeah. That's the, that's what playbooks is actually. Oh, I, I did know the the whole uh, the whole uh, get up and, and improving that uh, that part. I did know yeah. that. That's cool. Yeah. That was one of the problems <laughs> because okay. yeah. people when when we released it, they were expecting the same quality or high level stuff as the courses, and there it was uh, when we did research and uh, my colleague that owns this project really did so many customer interviews. Like I don't know how he does it. He beat beat me to the pulp <laughs> with interviews and research. And uh, what we're trying to do this year is to integrate the playbooks in the subscriptions that people have. And for instance, um, let's say you're taking Georgie's course on statistics and you cannot remember all that stuff because it's hard. You will have a playbook that explains to you step-by-step in the lesson or there, if you have any questions, you can strictly go to the community and, you know, post them on a forum where the instructor, where people that are capacitated to answer the questions about statistics will answer. Now that's not me (laughs) for the record. Um, So we're just trying to basically uh, enhance the whole learning experience, but also bring the community more. Because I think this is something that the market, you know, we fail probably to communicate to the market properly that is just crowdsource learning so uh it's coming we're working on it we released it we have a lot of people using them right now they're you know purchased every day but i think we still have to work on um getting people to contribute to uh you know the final um the final i don't know shape of the of the sop yeah 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 i I found it a very interesting concept i mean in a lot of cases um, as a as a marketer, you feel this. Um, um, 
you get a new project or a, um, a new task and you think, okay, I have no idea how to solve this. Uh, yeah. I also don't necessarily have the time to do a full course <laughs> for months to fix it. Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to fix this problem right now. So um, uh, where to go? And uh, we have Stack Overflow <laughs> for developers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but where to go as a, as a marketeer? Yeah, exactly. Pep uh, talks about, you know, just in time learning versus yeah. strategic learning. There's people that, you know, have time for strategic learning and it's great, but there's people that really don't have time, especially if you're working in an agency and you, you yeah. know, if mostly everything that you do is rinse and repeat. Uh, there's agencies that use this playbook, so they take the SOPs and, you know, send them to their ClickUp or to their Monday or whatever they're using for project management. And then uh, we have this Zapier integration that can, you know, take them and they can adapt them to their business. But what we would like, of course, is for people to publicly commit changes to them and improve them. And we have seen that happening with uh, e-commerce SOPs or analytics SOPs, the ones that are written by Simo or I don't know, uh, Tim, uh, the, Tim Wilson and so on. Like it's, it's cool, but it's a work in progress, it's a baby. So right now, you know, we're just yeah. trying to, um, I guess, get everyone to see the baby. <laughs> You gotta see the baby, you know, like in Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Hey, and uh, uh, so you're you're uh, you just told us uh, you're um, also uh, doing a lot of uh, uh, those support calls uh, to learn uh, what uh, people are getting stuck uh, with. So yeah, yeah what, what are the most uh, insightful things you got from the from doing that? Well, I realized that no one sees uh, our resource hub page. We have a page, uh, we have an internal page if you are a paying user, which is called resource hub. And in the resource hub, you have 1000 plus resources from all the lessons that we have. And this is frameworks, A-B testing, calculators, uh, templates for surveys, like anything you can think of, books, ebooks. And um, I was talking to this guy like a week ago, and he was asking me for more, you know, resources on statistics. Uh, he, people actually take George's course a lot, more than you think. <laughs> and he was asking me for a statistics calculator. And um, I said, oh, like you, we have, you know, our own A-B testing calculator, but you can also find what he, you know, what he suggested. So I sent him the link to the resource hub. And he was like, Oh my God, like this is the best kept secret of CXO. And then I was thinking like, okay, people do not see this page. So then I checked and I saw that no one actually goes to this page and it's like a gold mine there because you can really find almost anything. So that was one of the things. And then I made, we have a, we have a marketing intern that she's very helpful. And um, I asked her to go and clean up all the resources, make sure everything has images and links and it's working. So then we can start, you know, showing this uh, uh, more to my, uh, to my son that just came in. This is for the editors. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just did this thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're uh, we're fixing uh, the resource uh, hub on yeah. uh, CXL to make it look pretty for all the people that uh, you know we will have to probably announce about it. Yeah. Uh, another thing is, you know, I learned that it's very hard if you're doing a mini degree to move to lesson to lesson because you don't have like a button that sends you to the next course or the next lesson, and you always have to go back. Yeah. which of course is not great. So we're working on this action bar that keeps people in the same loop so you don't have to, you know, go back and forth. Yeah. So when uh, you're binge watching uh, the lessons. And it sucks as I saw it too. And we know about it. So we're trying to, we're trying to fix it. But it's also things that um, what I like is that 
when I do the, you know, like I do email marketing a lot. That's huge part of my job. So I do always the reply to my emails. It's very personalized. Like this is for the personal access for teams. It's a whole other monster, but for personal access, all my, um, my reply tos are going to, um, customer support. So I see those and they get assigned to me. And I was very impressed with how many people respond to my emails. Cause, uh, for instance, in the first email, when you sign up for a trial, I sold them, you know, this is the first day of your trial. This is what you have to do. And at the end, I say, hit, hit reply and say, hi, Juliana. And they actually do that a lot. And then I'm thinking like, okay, this is a good sign. Like you guys are, um, engaged. Reading and then the I, text. <laughs> yeah, this is great. And then I start, you know, cause you, like an email should be skimmable a hundred percent, but I'm playing with longer copy because we are known for longer copy as a company. So I'm playing and trying to go longer copy to see until, you know, what's the extent of where I could, you know, go, but it's very, uh, it's very helpful for, uh, it's very helpful. Good. And, um, um uh, so, so one, one second, one yeah. second, please to, sure. to kick my son out of here. podcast live. Well, that's something. Looking for a hat. <laughs> Good combination, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so so... The, 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 the actual question that we are here for to discuss, um, and uh, we've touched upon it a, a bit already with, uh, uh, like I said, uh, eating your own do dog food and uh, uh, doing those courses. Um, the, the question, uh, uh, we, we, I guess, a pet peeve uh, from, <laughs> from your side, uh, why aren't we focusing on understanding our products before optimizing for sales and marketing? So take, take the stage, uh, uh, Juliana. What do you want? <laughs> where do you want to start? I mean, I think it really sucks if you, um, you know, imagine this, you're in a marketing team, you have, uh, you know, your sales team, you have the demand generation, the content marketing, you have all the pieces to the puzzle, but then, you know, like, because you're so focused on, um, lifting metrics and showing to your leadership that you're, you know, doing things, you don't actually focus on the basic stuff that you should be starting with. And, um, it's really pissing me off because I see a very contradictory, uh, approach in the market, especially from companies that I really know, which sucks. Cause when you know someone, you know, the actual, you know, shit under their, <laughs> their rug. And, um, you see the fact that they are not in tune with the product or they're not in tune with the market, or they're not in tune with uh, the needs of the market that they're trying to serve. And then of course the messaging and the positioning that comes out doesn't, you know, make sense. It's uh, to totally opposite. And, um, I think we are so focused and desperate for popularity these days. And I'm guilty of that too. Like I've been guilty. I thought if I'm going to become popular in e-commerce last year, I'm going to be the shit, but it, it wasn't the case. Like maybe I am less irrelevant than I was three years ago, but it didn't translate for me having money in the bank or anything like it's just bullshit. So I think because we're so focused as marketers right now to win a popularity content on uh, social media. We're just writing stuff out of our asses or talking about stuff out of our asses, but we don't actually spend time learning and doing the basic stuff that we should be doing uh, as marketers. 
so the fact that people that are selling products do not spend time understanding the product is really, really bad. And I think, you know, we have this romantic view of um, retention and marketing, both retention and marketing, when everything is about the customer and everything is about what the customer wants and psychology. But actually, it's a lot about the product, too, <laughs> because... Like if you don't know what you're selling or you're, what you're marketing, what, where are those customers? You know, they just want everything. So I, I use a, an image in many of my presentations uh, that says uh, that says it, it, it's better to make stuff that people want than to make people want stuff. Um, and that's, uh, that's, that's basically what you're saying, right? I mean, uh, make yeah. sure that the product uh, aligns with, with uh, the needs of your user. Make sure that, that those two, that the combination uh, is really good. Yeah, and actually use it. Because once you use a product and you develop like an intimate relationship to know all the bad things and the good things of it, you yeah. will know how to market it better or how to get out of situations and uh i'm honest enough to give you an example i uh i knew that we uh we had some issues with uh with an exam on a course but it's archived so because you know like i couldn't actually fix it because it was a bug that was above my level of intelligence i did fix it in the end but at that moment i just learned though you know uh, uh, you know, like to work around it. And I told the customer what to do to get, you know, to move, move on. And the customer was like, oh my God, you know, like no one ever did this. <laughs> it's like, cause you wouldn't expect someone on a customer support chat to say, Hey, listen, just do this and move on. <laughs> You'll be fine. Then I obviously fixed the problem with the exam, but if it was someone else, that doesn't know the product and didn't encounter that issue before, it would have been very hard to, to, to help that person. And that creates frustration and creates, you know, a lot of friction. So it's the same when you're trying to position yourself in the market or take a product to market. If you don't really understand what you have to deal with and, you know, like where does it start and where does it end? You're just selling, you know, dreams and maybe unicorn, you know, I call it pompous unicorn shit. But it's, it's, it's real. And I think everyone that represents a product should be, um, uh, should evangelize that product and understand like everyone in the company should be a product evangelist. doesn't matter what you're doing besides just being a customer, um, evangelist, because yeah. I think we're, we're romanticizing the customer thing too much. And I don't think customers as are as loyal as we want them to think, <laughs> you know, we want to think they are like, they're not. Yeah. And I'm gonna um, uh, gonna play a little uh, uh, devil's advocate here then and, and say, well, but hey, Do it. Um, me as a, as, a, as a marketeer, I work for this um, um, uh, agency, or I just got hired through with this company, and the agency. Uh, so the agency gets paid by the hour, uh, mm -hmm. and they pay me to do uh, to send those emails. Yeah, <laughs> they pay me to optimize uh, the website. They don't pay me to do. Uh, user research or play around with the product for uh, for half a year first, um, and they have like uh, quarterly goals. So I need I, <laughs> I need to get this out now. I don't have the time to to send this out. So please, Juliana, help me. <laughs> this is this is like this is a super common thing. Like this is reality. What you're saying right now. But I guess my question is like, okay, so where does the strategy come from when you're doing these emails? Like what, what type of ammo, 
you have as a marketer to write, you know, an email flow or create a, I don't know, a checkout experience. If you're doing, you know, I don't know, conversion optimization, like you need some sort of intel. Otherwise, of course, you can Google uh, templates for email onboarding. You can Google, I don't know, A-B testing uh, ideas. You just or can go take to them. the CXL resource hub. Go to the CXL resource <laughs> hub. You will find thousands of ideas. But again, you have to understand your business model. And uh, I know in a- this is a very good point. In agencies, I think the biggest problem that I've seen, because you gave me this example, is the lack of accountability when it comes to documentation and processes. I think if an agency focuses enough or the leadership of an agency focuses enough on building um, processes and resources allocation and documenting everything that they're doing, any person that comes in that agency can go to their own internal, you know, SOPs and, you know, processes and just follow them. But like, if you don't have those in an agency, you're more deeper problem than you think than you know just having issues writing an email flow like this is this is a huge huge problem and it happens throughout all marketing agencies because of course you're busy so you don't have time to write sops but it sucks and i've seen i've seen this you know fail so many times and it happens in software companies it happens in any company like you it's, it's, it's a it's management like, issue, right? I mean, the, the, there, there's way more yeah. uh, f- fixing a, a problem or, or <laughs> being busy fixing a problem. Yeah. Uh, it's much higher evaluated than actually trying to understand the problem or see, is this actually the problem that we're trying to solve? Yeah, 100%. I think better resource allocation and processes can save your ass a lot of time. Because again, like all we do in marketing is rinse and repeat. All we do. Like... There's no stroke of, you know, originality or genius. Like, I think, you know, for now, mostly everything that we do has been done before. I think what differentiates what we're doing as marketers, maybe this is just me that I think like this. I think it's just the way we look at, you know, what we have in front of us. Like, okay, we understand this business model of the company that we're working for. We understand their unit economics, which are very important. We understand the product. And we have a clear view of the objectives. Okay. And I have gathered all this general experience over years to do stuff that I just know how to do. But what's going to be different is how I'm going to apply all my learnings to your use case. This is how, you know, things are different. But in terms of, you know, marketing strategy, everything is rinse and repeat. So I think it's a shame for uh, agencies or companies that have a marketing team to not focus in building their internal SOPs system. I'm uh, I'm curious. So if if we um, if if we're able to do this or, or want to apply this, I think that works. Um, it, this is relatively easy to apply uh, to B two C products. I mean, uh, we're all a customer uh, in some way. Uh, but how do you how would you apply that when when you you as a as as the marketer or CRO specialist in that company? When you are by far not the the customer, not the user of that of that product. For I mean, uh, if you if you create like B two B software, mm-hmm. how do you as a marketer do that? Or if you if you maybe are in B two C but sell so high end, I don't know Ferraris, <laughs> and you as a zero specialist don't have the salary to buy a Ferrari. How do, how do you yeah. how do you manage that? How do you how do you um, cope with uh, those situations? I mean, again, you can do user research, you can do customer interviews. 
I mean, user research is my answer to anything. I know it's hard and I know it costs a lot of money and it takes time. Well, it's, it's cheaper than fixing a problem that's not there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can always do this. You can always buy from yourself unless it's a Ferrari. That's going to be hard. But I think if you're selling Ferraris, I think you can create some sort of, you know, coupon code and you don't just get the Ferrari per se, but you go through the experience at least. So like there's, you know, workarounds around anything. I just think you need to put, uh, you know, put yourself in the customer shoes and deal with like eating your own dog food or drinking your champagne where the case is. And uh, like, for instance, another example that I can give you in full honesty, this is like something practical that we do. We just, again, I told you we implemented this feedback loops on lessons. So then I went today and I told the customer success team, like, hey, go through all these flows and then write macros. So when customers come and, you know, complain or bring some issues, tell the, teach them, educate them how to give us feedback so we can actually fix this faster. So they need to understand how it works first before they go and advise the customer on how to do this on their own, because it takes time. It's that education piece, but this is just about spending time with understanding what you're doing. And, um, I guess when I was younger, good times when I was younger and I was just getting started and I come from a product background, like full product background, um, I used to, I started doing sales as everyone else, the business, I just started doing sales, but then I, you know, I liked product so much. Then I just went, someone gave me a, someone crazy as fuck gave me a chance to be a product owner after I just worked only in sales when I did a great job, but not as good as I would have done it with this brain. But don't, what I learned back then, because I was working with, uh, I was working only with developers and CSAT means is that you have to identify yourself with a problem before fixing it. And the more time passed, you know, and the more things I've learned, I, I've noticed that it's the same when it comes to conversion optimization, to personalization, to product marketing, to anything. You have to identify with the problem that you're having, and then you have to create uh, you know, like you have to formulate that problem. It's very important to know how to formulate the problem. Like you can, I think that can change so many things. If you know how to correctly voice the problem that you're trying to solve, and then you have to create the plan with steps on how would you like to solve that problem? Like having that clarity. So I guess when I took that mindset and the more I see and the more I learn, cause I'm learning a lot of stuff. Like, I don't know half of the shit that I think I should know, but I'm learning them. But this type of mindset has helped me become a very clean worker, you know, like document what I do, explain, be over. (laughs) Like, I just like give tons of explanations that I don't give, uh, that I shouldn't give, but I just want to be thorough with it. And I think this way, you know, like having this mindset can really help you as a marketer do better or, you know, do excellent stuff. And I've been telling this story a lot. When I first started here, Pep told me, because I was freaking out about working with Pep, like, it's Pep Laya. I was like, fuck. You know, like, who am I? I'm no one. <laughs> you know, like, I work for I work for him. I was shitting myself. And he, and I asked him, like, I was just asking him about the most random stuff. I was, I was feeling bad. I was texting him on Slack. And he said one day, he was like, listen, it's very simple. If it's not excellent, don't do it. I'm like, shit, (laughs) 
that's that's a very short you know <laughs> it's like that's there's no pressure so but when he told that to me it just ring back to this you know troubleshooting mindset so yeah like if it's excellent don't do it you know that's the standard but you know like excellence work requires you know a lot of uh, a lot of implication and yeah. uh, you know investment of yourself as a person and like yeah of course some stuff is easy to do like an abandoned card flow for instance it's super simple to do you you can play with stuff like for instance the abandoned card that i did for cxl we didn't have one before but i did one because i like abandoned cards and i think it's a good way to nudge people i made it text only if you look at e-commerce it's just all these lights and you know arcade and e-commerce companies are capable of putting a spin the wheel in the in the car too if they could <laughs> if they would do that but i made the, the text only and it worked very well it's you know it's it's, it's producing a revenue for the company uh and i didn't have to think very deeply about how i should do that because it's a very simple thing but when it comes to do a customer journey mapping or an onboarding flow or a I don't know, like a user guide on how to use the platform. There is where you have to really spend time researching and not just, you know, I think it's at the end of the day, because I feel like I've been talking my ass off right now. It's just because I'm passionate about this. I think at the end of the day, it's having a clear understanding of um, the difference between tactics and strategy. Like if you want to do strategy, you have to spend more time thinking. If you want to do tactics, you can do them. It's fine. Everyone, everyone does it. But it's the strategic thinking that yeah. should be more uh, nurtured, I guess, for every one of us. Yeah, and, and stimulated by management. Give your people time to, to take a deep to breath, breath, take yeah. a step back. Yeah. Exactly, what are the yeah. things that you're uh, uh, going to work on the next, say, 12 months at, uh, at CXL? Well, I hope, I hope that I'm going to fix some pages that I think and make them you know, excellent. Would, I, I need to do excellent work. Yeah. Uh, what I plan to do is to, um, like we have the teams SKU right now, and I want to make sure that I, uh, I help them, you know, I help team members and teams to create uh, a roadmap for their learning. And I want to like find a way to automate, you know, helping them create like the best learning environment for their, uh, for their employees. I think uh, when you onboard new when you onboard new not customers when you onboard new employees, I think besides the fact that you have to teach them about your product and how things works in your company, I think it's very important to teach them about the industry and market that you're in. So uh, because this is missing uh, in a lot of companies, I think we can you know support them with that and just explain you know how how the industry is how the market is so. I'm, uh, this is what I'm working on right now. And I'm excited about it. It's a monster of a project. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a monster of project because yeah. the, the tech stack at CXL is super intimidating. Like it's, it's, I, I got scared. Like imagine I came from knowing Shopify and Klaviyo to all this enterprise after that's here. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <And it's, laughs> And like everything that I do has to be very mapped out and very logic so it can get approved by the RevOps team, yeah. and, you know, the technical team. And it's, um, it's scary and frustrating a lot of times, but it's, uh, it's, everyone wants to do excellent stuff. Like, I think that, that's the, the funny part. Once in place. So, yeah. yeah. It's everyone wants to do great stuff. And, uh, 
I'm just like super overwhelmed about, you know, how much people actually love this company. I never work for a company that's so loved. That's, and it's crazy. That's never nice, experienced right? yeah. this before. Yeah, it's, it's the the CXO users are really like the best. I've never seen anything like that. And, and caring, like I got people sending me messages, just ask me how I am. I'm like, damn, you know, like, why would you care? But people are just nice. And yeah. I've never experienced anything like that. So what Pep build is really, really awesome. Nice. Yeah. Final thing I want to ask you, um, uh, you had a, a reading tip for us, a book. Yeah, I, uh, I was talking to Bob Moesta, Bob Moesta, the daddy of jobs to be done. That's what I called him. Uh, you should actually follow Bob Moesta. Uh, he gave me like this books to read when we talked the last time. And one of them was uh, The End of Average by uh, Todd Rose. I'm a fan of Todd Rose. He actually wrote another book called Dark Horse, which is very good. But this one with End of Average is actually, it's not a CRO book, right? <laughs> But uh, it talks about averages a lot and it explains where they come from and how averages are just trying to make, to standardize how people think and how people are. And um It's, if you think about it, it's sort of similar to, you know, metrics and what we're calculating and what are the things that we're looking for when we're growing our business. But I think if you want to read this book, what you will learn is about how we are trying to standardize humans from the way, the moment they're born until they're old, because everyone has to, you know, go through school, go to a job, find a job, you know, be, okay, climb the corporate ladder pay your bills and, you know, retire. Like it's, it just talks about how linear we want, you know, humans to be. And that, you know, like we're basically killing individuality by uh, always uh, comparing someone with the average. So it's pretty, pretty cool book that uh, if nice. you like crazy stuff like this, you yeah. might enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I added it to my library in, uh, in Audible. So I'm, uh, I'll be looking uh, forward to, uh, to that. So uh, thank you for the tip. Yeah. And maybe uh, yeah. we can um, um, do a, do an uh, interview next time with uh, Tim Wilson, uh, talk about uh, data presentation and visualization. Oh my God. And, you I'm, I'm have not sure him. if that's going to work in podcast format. <laughs> Uh, because it's not really visual, but um, uh, we see if we can uh, we can make that happen. It will be uh, might be a nice one. He is fantastic. I've never heard nobody talk about reports like that in my life. <laughs> nice, Juliana. And, thank you so much. Our time is up. Uh, love yeah. talking to you. Uh, I feel like uh, we could be talking for five hours, but uh, <laughs> we have that somewhere. Uh, we have to yeah, go to it's our next fine. Meetings. Thank you so much. Thank bye you. Bye. Bye.